0: Hello lovelies, welcome to the Fat Joy Podcast, where we talk each week about how to flourish in an anti-fat world. I'm Sophia, a fat person and professional coach who loves talking to other fat people about what it's like to live within oppressive systems that marginalize our bodies, and how we still dare to have the audacity and courage to reach towards our collective liberation and embrace our joy. Please know this is an adult content podcast, so there will be swears, we will be talking about harms we've experienced, and we will be rebelling against diet culture, anti-fatness, ableism, racism, etc. If you'd like to support the Fat Joy podcast and get bonus content as a thank you, please check us out at patreon.com slash fatjoy. I am so glad you're here with us. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Fat Joy podcast. I am joined by Kayla Stansberry today. I'm so excited to talk to Kayla about how joy and community can be a treatment approach for fat trauma. I am so excited to dig into this with you, Kayla. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited. This is a huge passion of mine and I love
0: talking about it (laughs) oh oh my gosh we're gonna go into it um but why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself who are you kayla okay fun question um so
1: i am a i'm a therapist licensed counselor in the united states um i also do body image coaching um i also uh, run with a couple other therapists a advocacy group for therapists like to work on like social change in america uh, that And I get to do my fat liberation stuff through that as well, which has been really wonderful. Uh, so I do a lot of different things, but the main consensus is I enjoy talking about fatness. I enjoy talking about fat liberation. I love seeing fat people happy. I love spreading fat joy. And yeah, that's just what I want to do. That's the mark I want to leave.
0: <sighs> yes, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. We need oh God, we need so much more of that. So, I'm so glad you do this work in the world and I first found out about you as I do for so many people through Instagram. Um and then I've recently been following cuz I recently got into TikTok and you just you produce such great content, Kayla, like the messaging, the questions you ask with the those like carousel, you know, posts and I just I find It those that type of content helps ground me and remind me of that it's okay for me to live in my body. So I just that it's it's everything, and it's kind of like what we're we're going to be exploring today is how how do we live with the fat trauma that we experience just by being fat people in the world.
1: Yeah, and TikTok will always be in my heart because it was where I first started seeing fat bodies in movement. Um, and when I stepped into that world, I saw just like so many like fat, happy people and like how they adorn themselves. And it just changed everything I thought. And... So always, always plug TikTok for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was so resistant. And then I had a couple of people say the exact same thing. They were like, no, it's different when it, it's all the videos. And there are so many. So for anyone listening, I know, you know, there's some, uh, hmm, what's the word? Conflict, possible total privacy violation stuff on with TikTok. But if you are interested in getting on, if you do want to see fat, like you said, fat bodies in motion, um there are some amazing creators i even was like going down a rabbit hole with fashion because that's i love fashion but it's something that oh for so many reasons it's a whole other episode around like not being able to find what i want i'm in canada we have like one or two plus size brick and mortar stores to order from the u.s there's currency exchange shipping fees like everything is like so much more expensive and so I But I have this idea that I'm actually like a whimsical style. So I was searching for, but I don't dress that way, but I love it. And so I was searching for like whimsical and plus size fat shenistas and found so many. And I was like, oh, now I know what it looks like. Now I know how fat people can do whimsical and whimsy. And it was just, it was such a cool moment of, oh, you know what? Thank you, TikTok. Like, just that whole seeing it. Visual representation, like, validates
1: is, like the existence, right? Like, so me seeing it, I can do it then, because I see it, and it looks good on you, and I think that you look awesome, and, okay, well, then maybe I could also feel good.
0: Totally, and I got so excited. I was like, oh! like I felt good to be fat I was like this is cool like it's fine I can do this in my body too there's no reason I have to like feel sad that I can't it was just you're right that representation is everything um so speaking of fatness Kayla what is your relationship to the word fat take us through your journey well um I
1: definitely grew up in a fat body so I was always from birth curvy and Chunky, whatever you want to call it. Um, So my relation, and I also had a thin family. So like being the fat person of thin family is like its own level of complexity uh, because I thought I was adopted (laughs) and they were convincing me that I wasn't. And I was like, no, I think, (laughs) like, I don't think this is right because like (laughs) there's something missing. Um, But so I wanted, like, obviously for me, fat was like the worst thing that I could be associated with. And I remember my little brother is seven years younger than me. And like one time he called me fat when I was in middle school and he was just being observant. He wasn't being hurtful. But like the room shut down and everyone was like, how do we handle this? And I remember that very clearly because they thought it was really bad that he said that. And so that also was like, okay, it's bad to be fat. And, but I obviously am, <laughs> like, so we're just, you know, and no, no shame to my family. Like, they didn't know how to handle any of that stuff. I mean, they didn't even know what chafing was because they just didn't have the experience. <laughs> I'm just like, it poor me at amusement parks, struggle bussing it. And they're just like, I don't know what to do. Oh, oh no. So, you get this idea that fat is so, it's such a bad thing, and then you do everything in your power to not be that anymore, right? To try to run away from it and to try... Like, you want to hide in the back, and like, okay, no one will notice that I'm fat, but, like, they will notice. Um, and so, of course, that led into dieting and yo-yo stuff and disordered eating stuff, and I actually did get into a, a small body um, through awful means, and then... Would like reached a point where I was like, "Why am I doing this?" I was still into, I was really into body positivity. I guess the intro level work when this was happening. So I still was like, "This is wrong. Like, I don't think I should be this this small. Like, you didn't fit
0: who I was." Was this like what age were you around this time?
1: I was around like it was it was a yo yo system from like nineteen to twenty five. Where it was up and down up and down up and down and like there's barely any photos of me that exist during that time because i didn't let them happen and and unless unless i was like on a journey um and then and to the point where like for my wedding i was I, that woman isn't me like that was a different lady and like, so, and like i don't envy her i feel kind of bad for her like she was very anxious and didn't eat as much as she should have and so I was very small and then afterwards I was like okay I can't do that anymore like I kind of got sucked into the bridal thing and and then I had children and that also helped my journey because your body just takes over and it does what it needs to do and it found its way back to what it was, and I started getting into. Anyway, I was thinking about fatness, but <laughs> but this is how I guess how it kind of went. I started getting into intuitive eating, and started seeing all the research. Started getting very angry about like, you know, being taking diet pills at twelve, like all this stuff, like awful things, and was like, I don't think this is right. This doesn't feel right. And because I don't dislike myself, but society tells me I should, and like that was confusing to me. It Didn't make sense. I also was very aware that if for me to be in a thin body, I had to do nothing. I had to sit in my house, eat chicken breast, and never leave. <laughs> and there was like a discussion I had with myself. Was like, well, do you want to have fun, or do you want to be thin?
0: Because you can't be both. Oh, you had to pick one. Uh, what a, I think a lot of fat people. Face that question, Mm -hmm. yeah, and what like what a question to have to face, yeah, like that in itself feels very traumatic.
1: Yeah, you're like, okay, well, I could go hang out with my friends, or I could sit at my house and and I'll make my my diet regimen, whatever it was that I was doing. Who knew? Um, so then I started to like like lean in to like, fat liberation, also into social justice, which was, like, a super helpful thing for me. Um, And so the word fat started to destigmatize itself. And once I, like, officially came out as fat, and I talk about this a lot as being, like, yeah, this is what I am, it was the most empowering, freeing experience in the entire world. Like, it completely changed this word that would have destroyed me in the first half of my life to, like, okay, (laughs) like, that's great. Like, I just – there's nothing behind it anymore. It was – I just – I said it before everyone else did. You all know it's here. You don't have to pretend it's not here. So just, we're all going to be happy about it. And so that's how my relationship with fat went from absolutely dreadful to like a fantastic word that I use regularly,
0: even though sometimes it can jar people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting you said the social justice aspect really like hooked you tell me say a little more about that because i i feel i had a similar experience yes the idea that like fitness was was directly linked to racism was
1: like boom of course in my own anti-racism racism journey that i'm obviously will be forever on um realizing the why why they villainize like curvier bodies because they wanted to separate them from white thin bodies was just devastating. And I'm like, that is the worst like, awful. it's was an awful thing. And I read, I'm um, fearing the the black body by Sabrina strings and just kind of dived into this world of really, this is anti blackness. Like this is anti curvature. This is like anti other cultures. We're like whitewashing everything to be thin and perfect and proper. And,
0: and, and, moral, there's morality assigned to it, I am a better person because I'm thin and I'm white, like this deep colonialism junk.
1: And I was just like, and the more I get, I still am learning about it and the more I do, I'm just like, yeah, like this is wrong. Like, this is a wrong part of society. And a lot of people in the moment don't know that something is wrong in society until later on. And I talked about that recently, like we think something's right. And then 10 years later, we're like, no, that was really wrong. And I feel like that's happening. It's, that's always happening. And it's definitely happening now with like fatness and the war on obesity and everything like that. Um, so social justice is like how I integrate all of it in my brain to make sense. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love that. Yeah. My version of that is so similar. That piece, it, it like galvanized me in a way that, so me dismantling my own internalized anti-fatness is not just for me. Because I'm very motivated by, like, others. I'm not the best at motivating myself, but when I realized, I was like, oh, I have to do this because how I show up in the world, how I have conversations with people, that actually impacts everyone else so that was like such like you said boom in your brain like that was huge for me as well it also really appealed to my inner rebel because i was like um fuck that noise we are doing it differently and it gave me a purpose in a really big way it, it made it it just made it more than me bigger than myself and I think I felt that way because I'm a people pleaser (laughs) like it was it gave me permission to step away
1: and be something different because I was like wait I fundamentally disagree with racism (laughs) like obviously and so if this ties in with this directly which it does then I don't want anything to do with it and that was that like trumped my people pleasing me like nature and so it was like similar but not rebellious at all
0: <laughs> yes yeah. <laughs> yeah oh that's really powerful that's a really powerful story and i'm curious too like you mentioned you and i think i read in your bio you have three children so how did the kids having kids play into this journey as well it's actually like kind of interesting um my i got pregnant with twins it was a it was a surprise i
1: have twin four-year-olds um and they were born at 26 weeks, which if you don't know much about gestation, very tiny. They were like one pound something, two pounds. Like, so we had this like really intense medical ordeal with them directly after, um, obviously after they are born and it just kind of felt like everything shifted in like what I cared about because at the time you're dealing with like life and death stuff. And you're just trying to make sure people sort make like your kids survive. And so I was, ba- I was able to basically just be like, okay, well, I don't care how I fit into clothes. I don't care how I look. Like, I'm just gonna like, write. Like I have to exist for like exist to survive in this situation. Um, and then after that, I got pregnant very quickly,
0: <laughs> um, surprise. And uh, it was, uh, so I also have a three-year-old. <laughs> oh my gosh. Two four-year-olds and a three-year-old. Oh my God. Kayla, how are we even talking right now? <laughs> well, I have a very good co-parenting partnership. Uh, amazing. That <laughs> allows
1: it or that like supports it, um, and so I had like, all these kids so fast, but my body was just kind of like, what's going on? I'm getting ripped in all these different directions. Um, and then of course during that pregnancy, I was terrified I was going to go into preterm labor again. So I obviously was like in in survival mode for a good two ish years. And then and then and then right after that, the pandemic happened. And so <laughs> through all of that, I was able to like recalibrate my priorities I guess like you were in survival for so long and so then I I kind of delved with like finding myself a lot in during the pandemic and being at home a lot more and trying to figure out who this like post baby person is and like how I want to show up in the world and I'm someone who's very career driven I very much enjoy connection and community in general um so I had to fulfill those needs that I couldn't you know you can't get those those needs to fulfill from two-year-olds like they're not going to be able to provide it (laughs) it's not their job so I was able to and, and through and the community that I found that felt very safe was like more body positive. Again, when I'm inching in and fat liberation communities that, you know, they talked about ideas and concepts and they like sparked my intellectual part of my brain, which I needed at the time.
0: And then that transitioned into the work that you do as a therapist at some point. How did that transition happen?
1: Yeah, well, I think,
0: well, during the pandemic, I got my certif- my intuitive eating certification,
1: uh, and that was really helpful because it gave me a lot of foundational research um, that helped me ground in, like, what I believed, uh, even though now, like, the worship of the written word isn't something you want anyway, but, like, at the time, before I was um, debunking some of that, some of those ideals, that was important. Um, so through that, I realized like, I don't want to hate myself. Uh, I would just like to like my body. I, this has been my body for quite some time when I'm not manipulating it. So why don't I just show up this way and see what happens? And that's kind of, and I kind of just jumped into it. I very much enjoyed it through TikTok. I very much enjoyed that. I enjoyed that world. I was like scrolling for a long time. So once I showed up, I was like, I like this. I like being authentically myself. I like showing my personality. Um, and I like showing the joy that I have, even existing in the body that I do. Um, and plus, I love talking about the intersectionalities of like racism and sizism and all those wonderful, awful things. But I like talking about them. <laughs> uh, and I found once I put myself out there, I got so much more support from the people in the community. Like, it was, it was almost jarring. Like, all of a sudden, my world was fat people versus my world being... I mean, the therapy, the therapist world is a lot of thin white women, to be honest. Like, so I was being exposed to all these different types of people who had so much to give and were so kind and supportive and would reach out to me directly and ask me if I'm okay. Um, As I acclimated to getting like mean comments and it was just so beautiful. And then eventually I changed my, my first name on, on TikTok and Instagram was intuitive therapist. And I changed it to fat-positive therapist, and that felt like a huge shift in what I did. It, it was so scary. That was, like, my coming
0: out, like, I, fat-positive. It was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, well, because you're opening yourself up. I mean, again, pros and cons of TikTok, you're opening yourself up to um, critique. We'll, we'll use the nice word, critique.
1: <laughs> but also, like, what I was doing is if you show, if you showed up in my space, you knew what I was already about. So a lot of the boundaries didn't have to be replayed out
0: every time. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's nice. Every time I show up in a space, I kind of was
1: like, well, I'm going to show you who I am. So if you decide to approach me, it's because you already know that I don't like racism and I don't like phobia and I don't like diet talk
0: and <laughs> go from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like people know the rules of engagement before they even engage or they should now whether they respect them or not is a different conversation but they know and 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 I imagine there's a lot of I mean I feel this way too like there's a lot of clarity there Mm. you know it's like I now know where you
1: stand and so I'm not going to put a lot of effort into this dynamic but it's the the risk there the scary part is that you might lose friends and I did like I lost friends in my journey along the way me too friends and family friends, yeah, and friends and family, and at the time, it was absolutely awful, Um, but now I'm like, that was the best thing that ever happened to me, that I, because I couldn't be myself with those people, but I was staying because I was scared to not have people.
0: Absolutely, and like, and the history, and it's not that they're bad, this is my struggle too, it's not that they're bad people, by any means, like, but it's, I can't, we can't have a deep relationship if, you're still rooted in anti-oppression and not and not opening curious to to looking a bit deeper. That's been my real struggle is like, you know, there's lots of people in my life who I'm very close to, who I have been very close to. When we started having these conversations, I was like, look, like, I don't, like i'm not an expert this is a lifelong journey for me as well around anti-racism understanding my own implicit biases um including fat liberation work i'm still learning i still have things show up that surprise me like oh i thought i had figured that one out okay (laughs) note to self learning deeper 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 more layers but it's the it's the um it's when people aren't interested in getting curious, they aren't actually open, they kind of just dig dig in. And I found for me, that's been the really hard part. And when that happens and there's nowhere for us to go, there's no way for us to have a deeper, authentic relationship, then it's like, okay, well, you know, no harm, no foul, I'm not angry, but we now have to have a distance because I'm no longer safe.
1: Yeah, exactly um there and and when you take out diet talk and like body hatred talk there's so much open air that wasn't there before and it's like so what are we going to do with that open air like are we going to have things to talk about are you going to be able to I'm, I'm i'm obsessed with introspection i'm obsessed with growing and learning i'm a therapist like i love all that stuff so i want to talk with people who are going to do that with me and I don't want to talk about my body because like that feels boring, like absolutely boring to me. So it was about, okay, so can we connect? Can I feel safe connecting with you and talking about the things I'm passionate about without you causing me harm?
0: Yeah, exactly. Or me feeling like, okay, you said a thing that is harmful in this moment. Do I, because then we have to do all this emotional labor. Okay, do I say something? I know it's going to go nowhere. Do I just back up? Like, it's just, I mean, this is, again, this is my struggle. I don't have the answers, but for me right now, it has just been easier to have distance instead of having to constantly Figure out all these micro situations in conversations and I just, I just don't want it. It's very, it feels very self-protective and I have always been a people pleaser as well. So it actually feels like recovery work around my people pleaser to set these boundaries. I always think, you know, at some point when I'm deeply enlightened, um, maybe I won't need these boundaries, but I am certainly not there yet. I am not enlightened yet, (laughs) Um, and maybe I won't be, I don't know, next life perhaps, but. I always think about if I'm approaching people
1: who don't feel safe, like I have like armor on, a shield, maybe a sword, depending on like, uh, depending on like how intense I feel like being, and that's how I have to scope in those spaces because I'm already on the defense because everything I stand for, a lot of people don't, right? So then I'm like looking for nuances like, oh, okay, so you, what are these things? Like, how do you value this? Like, So I could maybe take the armor off, but a lot of times if it's not safe, I'm not taking it off. And then we're not really connecting because I don't want to create that connection and then give you a, a avenue to, to ha- cause the harm, right? So creating com- community and connection with people who already or in the process or are willing to learn about the process is what feels safer and really helpful
0: and like worth my time my effort my labor like that's the thing I, I I think a lot in terms of once I learned about the concept of emotional labor I was like oh my gosh this that was a big moment for me as well even in my partnerships like with my part like my husband and and in my, in my other relationships where it's like, look, I'm not, I don't want to take on all this, all this extra work. So this is a beautiful segue into what I'm so excited to talk about is this idea of how being in community of connection, of joy, of safety can help treat, I mean, we're using that word like as a treatment approach for fat trauma. So can we start with like, what is fat trauma? How, as a therapist, what would this, how would you talk about this?
1: When I explore fat fat trauma and with, especially with clients, especially either coaching or regular clients, every fat person has experienced fat trauma. Like whether it's big T1s, big trauma, or little T1s, little trauma that adds up enough to be a big, big trauma. Um, every single person who's existed in this society in a larger body or in most intersectionalities have experienced some form of trauma. Uh, so, we kind of normalize it, you have a lot that you're holding, a lot of baggage that was given to you without your consent. Like, and I like to say that a lot, because sometimes when we hear the phrase, I'm holding, it means it's my fault. Really, these are survival things that we've been given to protect ourselves to, you know, be able to feel successful in society to we're we're dodging
0: things left and right. Well, and systemic oppression wants us to believe that it is us as individuals who are the problem. Like, oh, you're holding it, you got to fix it. Not not us here at the system level. Like, it's very brilliant. To- it,
1: yeah, it's, it's a, the most brilliant trick like ever is that, oh, well, even though it's just, like mo- a lot of things are systemic issues, we're going to make it your individual fault so we don't have to fix the systemic issue. Um, and one of the big things that, we law that we have lost in society is community in general um someone on tiktok i can't remember their name but they were wonderful said this quote and they said um he said white people traded um community for capitalism and it's like and i was like oh that's the most real thing i've ever heard (laughs) is like that to create these capitalistic societies um white individuals had to give
0: up their sense of community yeah it's this rugged individualism that Mm -hmm. happens yes that has happened because of capitalism and i was i I stopped myself i was gonna say that has happened in the u.s but i'm in canada it's the same here it's i mean i don't need to speak beyond where i'm at so if if you always can ring in and say canada too (laughs) yeah yeah well and so what are those traumas can you share some examples of the small t and big t traumas that fat people living in fat bodies experience there's i mean a lot
1: but aubrey gordon does a really good job in in her book talking about some of the the really rough ones like um feeling like you're deserving of sexual assault or sexual harassment or feeling that no one would believe you if you came forward about sexual assault and sexual harassment because and if you're in a larger body no one would do
0: that to you which is just because you're so disgusting, no one would even want to rape you. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's right?
1: Like, that's the most disgusting big T thing I could ever think of. <laughs> and then you have all those little things that came up with that idea, right? That you are disgusting, you are not lovable, you are not ever going to be successful, you're never going to find a partner, you shouldn't live your life until you've reached this arbitrary goal. We all probably have personal stories of, I didn't go on this trip. Because I wanted to be in a smaller body first, so I missed out on this experience. I missed out on living life to be to try like because of this false promise of that there was something wrong with my body and I needed to fix it before I
0: was worthy of joy. Yes, yes. Do you have? I'm I'm like literally running through like thirty examples in my own brain right now. Do you find that this is what clients come to you? They 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 bring this trauma and like help help me how do I how do I deal with this like what's what do you see from clients
1: they bring the belief systems and I help them find the trauma that started it because they don't often know it's a belief system like they don't they they don't they don't know it's a trauma they come in like oh well no one's ever gonna love me and it's like okay wait (laughs) where did we get that one from or no one's ever gonna sexually desire me oh wait you know five people have great sex like what are you talking about
0: (laughs) That makes me, like, I feel weepy just you even, like, saying that. Because I, I get, I get, I feel that so deeply in my own body. I believed that for so long.
1: We often accept less from partners. Like, we accept less care. Like, because of this idea of, oh, well, I should just accept what I, what I get. But all of that is untrue. It's based in society's belief systems. And that there are tons of people out there who find all different body types attractive. <laughs> It's, it's, it's socially impacted, but, like, there's some people who, like, don't care.
0: <laughs> well, and it's so interesting how these traumas show up. And I think I do want to acknowledge and, you know, I imagine you would as well, this idea that the larger your body is, the more violence, the more trauma you experience because you start to get into situations where, um, especially if that's combined with any other marginalization, you know, the world doesn't literally fit your body, it's hard to find clothing, there are constant assumptions made about your personality, your character, so it's very different being a size 14-16 and being a size 26-28 or or bigger, and it just, it just, it really multiplies, and we know that.
1: Yeah, I think, I really think that's important to to identify as well is that there's a privilege set up based on where you're at in sizes of, right so you know if you're in like the 25 26 category you're gonna you might struggle finding like chairs that are gonna fit correctly or um and every time i go into a waiting room and i now look for
0: that
1: i do too <laughs> yeah i'm like oh this passes the test cool like I, I, I was in my dentist the other day and i was like oh look they have a bunch of like
0: armless wide chair cool okay
1: cool again it's like oh that's awesome but it's the bare minimum like I'm excited but it's the bare minimum yes
0: I went for a massage yesterday and the massage therapist like lowered the bed when I was on it and it was like and I thought oh god oh god can what is this bed rated I didn't ask if we're gonna blow the motor like again I shouldn't have to think about those things when I am having a massage to relax (laughs) Yep, I did like aerial yoga, and I Googled like the weight thing for the aerial yoga
1: to make sure I didn't like (laughs) fall. You know, you have to. If if we go, I got a massage a couple uh, weekends ago, and I was like, "Are they going to have a robe that's going to fit my body?" Like because I I went to one last year, and and they didn't. I was like trying to cover everything up, and I couldn't because they didn't have a robe that fit my body. They're one size fit all. Probably stopped at twelve. Yeah.
0: Yep. I. That stuff drives me bananas. I hate that shit so much.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, I talked to... I want to pun, throw this into that category. I talked to other therapists a lot about how you need to have an office that is supportive of larger body clients because there is nothing more jarring if you're trying to talk about your feelings and being worried that a chair might break. or And a lot of, unfortunately... Furniture we get are going to be from areas that maybe aren't well built, uh, so check the weight. I uh, to check weight requirements. Like Wayfair has weight requirements on their stuff now, so like they have a weight limit, and and so you can still get something that's affordable, but that's conscientious of your client's comfort.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point. I definitely want to talk to you about the advocacy group with therapists that you're that you're working on. We'll come to that. Hopefully, we'll have time towards the end. There's also this idea, and I'm really curious when you have people that are in smaller fat bodies or are straight size that are non-fat. Um, I read that the other day, nonfat, in uh, Aubrey Gordon's new book. And I just really love the terms devstrace doesn't like nonfat, which of course makes me think about the food, the nonfat food. Anyway, so I might start saying the nonfats. I haven't got my hands on that book yet and I would want to. Oh, yeah, it's it's excellent. It's excellent so far. I'm I'm loving it. Um, but I, I love everything Aubrey does. So um <laughs> so how I know we're talking about fat trauma, but perhaps the other part of this is, and I do have a lot of non fat, straight sized listeners. So I also really like to show how diet culture causes just body trauma. Well, I can just maybe use that phrase for them as well. So, what do you see there happening? I
1: don't all only work with fat clients. I have a lot of non fat clients, I have especially really petite clients who. I work a lot with them on processing what it's like to be like um, infantilized. That word's a lot. But <laughs> like how they feel in their body because they're so small and like how people have, have like said comments about what they eat what they don't eat. You know, I hold space for that too because it's there. Like it exists. Like these people are struggling. I have clients with ED histories who are probably in the mid-range that we've had candid conversations where they'd be like, I feel bad talking to you about this because I'm fat. And I'm like, no, please do. I'm choosing to hold space for you right now for this. And I want you to be able to talk to me about these experiences because at the end of the day, I might be going for fat advocacy right now, but at the end of the day, this hurts everybody. Just like racism hurts everybody. It does not, like it's benefiting the people at the top, but they're still miserable. Like nonfat individuals hate their bodies so much. It's so ha- sad to see. And in being someone who has yo-yo dieted, when I was in a smaller body, I hated my body then too. I weigh way more than I ever
0: did because you're fixated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It takes, it's, it takes total preoccupation. I think for me, that was one of the biggest surprise. Su- I didn't even thought I hadn't even realized how much time and mental energy I spent monitoring my body, my food, how my body was positioned when I was with other people so that they would only see it a certain way, like everything, like that vigil, like hyper vigilance around body and food. Like to took- how I'm presenting in the world. Yeah, I mean, it must have taken 75 to 80% of my total attention. And then when that stopped, it was like, whoa, I can, I can do so much more with photos. Like for when I, when I was in a lot of my disordered places, photos,
1: click the photo, zoom in, see everything about my body, compare all the things. I don't, I think I look fantastic in photos now. I'm like, Oh, great. (laughs) Like great smile, Kayla, moving on. Like before when I wasn't like the societal ideal, I imagine um, I was, fixated on those pictures and they were this validation that I was valuable but I'm already starting at a valuable
0: place now
1: so the picture doesn't really mean
0: anything so that's huge I just want to like double tap on that because all these things that we did the hypervigilance, was to feel valid feel valid yes but now we start that's the difference when you do this journey you start from a place of i am worthy i am valid exactly as i am so you don't have to earn it
1: yes and that reminds me a lot of the like the therapeutic conversation about internal versus external validation and how if you if you were never taught internal like that's your your baseline how you feel about yourself if you were never given that which a lot of people weren't depending on how they were parented, if they grew up in a larger body, all those things would impact that or even just grew up in diet culture. Um, then if someone praises you, you shoot up because yeah, that's external validation. But then if they say nothing, you crash. If they don't, they don't compliment you, you crash. If they even make the slightest passive comment, you crash and you crash hard. Your value is completely dependent on who is in your environment in that exact moment. And that is giving people way too much power over who you are,
0: and that leads. I mean, you're saying that I'm like, oh my god, okay, that was that boyfriend, that was that friendship, that was that. Like, you you then choose those people not based on, like, you you base it on will they feed my need for worthiness,
1: or will they will they find me worthy? Like picking like picking out people to, I guess, engage with who also isn't the most like societally attractive. So then we would, they potentially might like me or something like that. Like it was almost like this psychological game of trying to figure out, cause like the worst thing in the world would be like someone who wouldn't like, you, who didn't like you back because that was this validation of being fat.
0: Oh my God, Kayla, I'm exhausted having this conversation. we <laughs> to need like, a therapy <laughs> Right. I love, it's funny cause it's bringing back how emotionally exhausted I must have been for decades. Oh, God. People, it is so good to be free of all that shit. Do the work. It is so worth it.
1: Like when I just went on vacation recently and there was no dieting. There was no caring about what my body looked like. And I've had a bunch of those because I've been doing this for a while. Um where I just like show up and I really like how I clothe my body. It feels very good. I found a way that I just really enjoy. And showing up like that, which took a while to be able to do,
0: just made me feel so powerful. Oh God, I love that. So you take all of this fat trauma (laughs) and you're exploring how to heal it, how to create healing through joy and community. Tell us a little bit about what that means because I love that. This idea of debunking it, like, like debunking these
1: belief systems we've been taught and being able to build a new one, like a foundational work, right? you know, I like to use a house metaphor when I'm working with clients Of like our foundation is like our childhood, like it's, it's cemented. So we have to go in there and like drill it up sometimes to do some foundational work and that's fill the cracks. That's totally great. That's fine. We're supposed to do that. Um, and so that's what this type of stuff does because a, we're validating that fat people exist and that they exist happily. Uh, because a lot of times if you're in, if you're absorbing television, commercials, certain parts of social media you only see thin white people so it's like oh that's how the world works like no the world looks like a size 18 arguably like that's the middle so it's weird that we that that, that's not our middle for everything um so having these conversations i also think i have a lot of professional privilege so people are more likely to believe me (laughs) because i'm a therapist which I will ride that out forever. Like, like, they'll believe what I have to say. And so it, it like if their friend was telling them that they might not believe it as much. But in a session, I'm like, no, this is, this is real. Like, this is, um, you can, I'm almost like advocating for it with my existence. And I tell a lot of clients that, like, you're going to exist fat and happy. You're advocating for other fat people with your existence, even if you don't want to. You just are.
0: Yeah. Just by being fat and happy. I mean, it's one of the reasons why for this, the whole my whole point of this podcast was to only have fat guests because I was like, there needs to be, we need to shine a spotlight and show that people are fat, are happy, are doing kick ass shit in the world and like everything that they, if there are any assumptions about that not being able to be true, I'm calling bullshit on it. And that really was one of the big motivators for me because- And that didn't exist when I was younger. There was no bad people. Like they just did They were hiding. <laughs> like they were, or hiding. they were the villains. I always think of Ursula. Oh,
1: well, Ursula from Little was Mermaid. Just, like, she, like, leave her be. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. that's how anyone in the larger body was vilified or seen as stupid or disgusting or and. So you have all these belief systems, and when you are directly confronted with communities of humans that are teaching you. And showing you another way, it's super jarring but super healing, because you're like, oh, this is this fat community that I didn't have access to when I was younger that's saying like, it's okay, like you're allowed to have a body, body just, body diversity, take up space, like exist how you want to exist in this world. We're all doing it, and and we're we're, we of course have all of our emotions, but we're finding joy.
0: That's insanely powerful it's so powerful I remember and I've been very fortunate to talk to a number of these people who helped me uh figure that out fat elders and I've been really blessed for sure lucky blessed um to be able to talk to a number of my fat elders on the podcast and say you know you were one of like you didn't know it but you were one of my community members because they were they were out there they were living they were talking about it and when i was going through my journey to figure this stuff out i needed to see those examples because there there were none elsewhere
1: i'm trying to think like the only one i can remember is like an art teacher in high school who existed in a larger body and was just like bubbly and joyful and wore like whimsical clothing and just a vibe and I didn't like I just saw her as a vibe like I was like yeah you're so cool like but that was the only person I can remember that was a larger body that didn't either try to hide
0: themselves or already identify as something wrong with them right so seeing and being seeing other people being fat being amazing being in community where you just get to be a human What's the impact of that on us psychologically?
1: We're we're community-based animals. Like we need community. We need them for survival, right? Community dictates, we are the company we keep. Community dictates how we see the world. And the world is really big and there's a lot of bad in it. But if you can create a community of safe, like-minded people, you can create like a respite, like a bubble, if you will. Um, I've talked about this before that I'm at the point in my bubble that when I see thin people, I get confused. Like, because <laughs> <laughs> you know, my kids have taken over my television, I and so I basically read at this point, and I, my social media is all fat bodies. So like every time, like I, get, I catch a commercial, I'm like, like there is like a moment of confusion, and then
0: I'm like, oh, that's what. That's what society values. I forgot. (laughs) Me, exactly. Me too. It's like, Oh, are we still doing that? Is everyone not here yet? And it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a hard. And I'm like, Oh yeah, right. Not everyone's doing this. Okay. Right. Right. It's like, it's like this beautiful bubble and everyone's
1: nowhere super happy and fat and cool in this bubble. And it's like, it gets popped once in a while and you're like, Oh wow. (laughs) It's still a lot of awful, but that, that bubble is what kept us safe. And, Recharges us to be able to face a world that's going to
0: cause problems. Yeah, absolutely. So, what are some examples of community? Like, what are what are some of the ways that people create this for themselves or can join? Let's give people a whole bunch of ideas. Yeah, I mean, uh, I
1: I know I sent you my resource list that I just created. I'm really excited about it because it has Instagram people to follow, TikTok people to follow, podcasts. It also has a community section, so. Um, through my journey in this, I've been able to like gather all these wonderful resources of communities like that you can find. Uh, some of my favorite ones, there's like DMV, or not, sorry, it's not called DMV, that's my version of it. There's Fat Girls Hiking, which I know is in the US and it is, has a bunch of chapters. Uh, so you can find your local one. Even just going as, as much as Facebook is outdated, it still has great groups.
0: <laughs> it does. The fat chat groups on Facebook are amazing. Exactly. Like fat positivity groups, uh, body liberation groups, Um,
1: even looking up like fat movement classes, like, um, I know if you're in more rural areas, these are harder to find, but they do exist. And sometimes you can find them in a social media space
0: first. And they, yeah, they also are on zoom. Like one of my guests, Becky Scott, one of my early guests, actually, she's in the UK, but she does, people zoom into her classes from all over the world.
1: Yeah. Like there's ways to create a community. They don't have to be like next door to you. They can be just these kind people who are going to be able to process and, sometimes you can create community just by watching other people like of course try to engage that helps but you can start small you can start small just following fat creators and engaging with their content and working with that resistance that you might have towards accepting that these people are happy because like that's something we have to unlearn that's a crack in our foundation and there's nothing wrong with you, you're not a bad person we all are having to do it it still gets us it's a lifelong journey but being able to start with surrounding yourself with the things you thought were awful or
0: couldn't believe existed is is very transformative. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and there is um, some recent, I, I follow a couple of neuroscience things because I have a bit of a neuroscience and coaching background and we've known this, but it's like the research has finally caught up to what we know to be true, which is that when we see images of diversity in this particular study was actually on weight stigma, which was amazing and shocking. Um, When we see images of diverse bodies, bodies also with different abilities, uh, it decreases our implicit bias, of course, right? Because it just makes, it normalizes it. We don't only assume that the bodies that are considered worthy and moral and good uh, are just thin and white and you know um have no disabilities no they're they're neurotypical like so there's so much in even just the very bit like if anyone listening hasn't done this my recommendation just one small step is to follow some diverse bodied accounts follow some people who you know who are doing disability justice work follow some people who are doing art that shows i have so many great artists that i follow yeah yeah art's a great way into this photographers who photograph different bodies um vivian mcmaster is a great example of that Um, she was also a podcast you can go listen to her episode um And just even, yeah, following some fat, if you like fashion, follow some fat people doing amazing fashion stuff. It looks so good. And oh
1: my gosh, I love fat photography too. Like I seek out photographers that like know how to, how to like approach a fat body, like without trying to make me look thinner, like don't try to make me look thinner, like just I want you to photograph, show me who I
0: am, like don't pretend that I'm somebody else and um, seeing that out itself is powerful it is totally totally yeah so even if that like that even if that's just a first step that's a big deal to just even be exposed to it's
1: huge because again you're not getting it anywhere else especially if you're watching like uh, reality TV and stuff which you know we all dive
0: into um those are all very
1: tiny people
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. and a lot of whiteness too like I was just gonna say like if nothing else everyone should be following Lizzo you know <laughs> I went to her
1: concert in August
0: oh, my yay God. I know I was there in October yeah it was amazing it was the best I just ah oh, Lizzo so cathartic Yeah. And then so from there, from that, just diversifying who you see, who you look at, then you're saying start to maybe engage with them a little bit if that feels good. Go to some kind of like, if there is, if there are some in person fat group meetups. There's also, um, oh, I'm going to get this acronym not wrong. Oh, I'll post the link. It's the, oh, it's the National Group for Fat Acceptance. Do you know what I'm talking about? NASA Association for Fat Acceptance, something like that, I think it's NAFA. I will post the link every, I think every Friday or once, I forget how often, but I've been to a few of them. They do um, Fat Fridays and they get together on Zoom and just have really cool conversations and often there's a topic
1: fat femme fat fierce femme I, I could be moving it around but i think i've linked them on my resource thing too uh mm-hmm. they do like once monthly fat support groups um another person does uh, like a fat community that you can like pay to join uh, also on my resource list which is why i made it because i'm terrible with names <laughs> uh is that there's all these little nuanced ways people are doing fat retreats now which oh yes my- fat camps like this so amazing. They're going to different countries together. And I'm just like, that makes me weepy because I literally maybe two years ago was like, I just wish I could hang out with fat people. <laughs> and like
0: now it exists and obviously people are going to them.
1: Like mm.
0: That's one of my that's one of my uh desires for this year is to either go to the fat camp. I had the guests on. They did they create a camp roundup. Um it just aired two episodes ago, I think anyway they so that's like a more rustic like an actual like summer camp vibe but then i ha, you know vinnie wellsby is taking people to dominican in april and virgie tovar i think often takes people to italy is it italy i think it's there's a there's a
1: and like a uh, body liberation with Lindley. Lin, Lin, um they do some too and it's just like there's now it's just showing up and i'm like oh but i had to step into that world to see it it's like and then i'm like oh they're going to all these cool places, even just like restorative retreats, like just to like chill and meditate. And,
0: yeah.
1: And vibe, not worry about people who are like super fixated on their bodies and their diets and their movement. And, you know, that just really is not a safe space for fat people.
0: No. no, I can't even be in that anymore. Okay, I was thinking about this, this whole kind of gathering of fat people in person. And I have a question for you. So when I, I don't feel this way now, But as I was going through my journey, even before my journey towards fat liberation, I felt really, I'm gonna use the word shy, but I don't think that's true. I would say embarrassed at the thought of being in spaces with other fat people. I was fat. What's up with that? And because I imagine, again, people are at all stages. If there's anyone listening, feeling like, oh, but I don't want to be like in a group with other fat people, right? I'm supposed to pretend like I, it's a good fatty, bad fatty. It's the pretending,
1: you know, it's excited when you're talking about because I knew you were going to say that because that's such a just universal experience because we are taught that, if like that being around fat people is a bad thing right our own internalized fat phobia which we have to do a lot of work to debunk. like they're going to have a lot of larger bodied individuals who still engage in a lot of self-hatred and all these things so they're going to try to hang out with smaller bodied people uh which is a terrible way to pick your friends (laughs) because arguably if you're in a smaller or, or a non-fat body. You probably didn't have to work on your personality as much, <laughs> which is this is super assumptive. <laughs> um and so like you're not showing up to the table with, with with the with the hard work that a fat person has done on their personality. <laughs> like on themselves. So it, we have to really ask ourselves like what am I looking for in relationships? Am I wanting a person I can put an Instagram post with who's who's aesthetically pleasing in the very limited societal version? Or do I want to create like deep connection with people who get me? And and that's hard because we're we're moving away from capitalism, societal values, to community, which community isn't pretty. Yes. You can't tie it up in a boat, it's not fancy. It's it's messy, it's rough, it's vulnerable, and it's it takes intention to do, but it's it's what we're meant to do. It like nourishes our soul.
0: Oh God, that's so good. I love that even that choice is moving away from it's rebelling against capitalism yeah yeah um oh so so good kayla i want to get to joy as well so how do you stay connected to joy what do you do for yourself to like to stay in community oh joy in general i love joy I love adornment so fashion
1: is something that I value a lot. Um so I used to do I still do them like therapist fit checks and I like would showcase my outfit on on TikTok and like that felt like a really wonderful expression of joy because I just I never would have done that in my earlier life. I never would have showcased my body or showcased my fat. I would always wear like the thing the straight jeans and the boots and the sweater and like all the things you're supposed to wear and just like at the time. Um so Joy for me personally was putting myself out there in a place that I felt good and confident and in safer places where people would be more likely to like, yeah, go. That's awesome. And you look you look so cool and be exposed to different types of adornment that aren't situated for the male gaze. Like that was a really cool switch, um, which I'm still actively working on. That's a really hard one to be able to dress your body for like how you like it versus how you think someone else should like it, which is usually filtered through that. Um, so that's joy. I love community engagement, like talking to other people, um, which is also what my work brings joy because I get to talk to other people about this stuff. I love going on like podcasts and talking to other um, people that way. So like that's how I get my community and I just absolutely love it and get excited for it uh, because a big part of my passion is the social justice piece and that's where I get a lot of my joy and I also have a lot of community of therapists that I've gotten them on my side with Fat Liberation and I engage with them too and that feels really good.
0: Yeah, that's amazing because I've worked with a lot of therapists and I think only one of them had even and that was an, and my current therapist who's an anti-oppression educator actually knows about, you know, anti-fat bias and the, the and sizism. So that's, can you say a little more about the work that you're doing with other therapists? Cause that's amazing. This is something that I, I very much value. Um, it's newer, it's our little
1: baby. So basically um, I've always like, well, not always, but I've had a social justice component of my vibe. And I saw it coming out a lot as a therapist because I'm working with all these different types of people and they're suffering, and a lot of their suffering is being caused by the environment. Like it's, they wouldn't be suffering if it wasn't for this environment that was making them suffer, right? So, um, when the school shootings were happening more frequently in the U.S., um, sometime last year, I think was um, it was the Uvalde shooting, which was like, a, a, like an elementary school a lot of therapists kind of, we decided to band together. we like, we need to stop, like we need to do something. Like we need to, we have a specialty awareness of the population. We know why these people are leaning towards these, these methods. We know like like what's going on, like toxic masculinity and all of and like, and, and white supremacy and, and how this is all impacting these things. Um, but not all therapists are comfortable in that space. Like a lot of them uphold, um, a lot of the white supremacy stuff that they don't know that they're doing. Uh, so we, we created Therapists in Action and its, cor- it's cornerstone. stories, its foundation is built in anti-racism work. And then our three pillars are advocacy, education, and community. Um, and then we have a lot of subcategories, like I do fat liberation, there's LGBTQ, there's disability justice, there's gun control, there's all these different areas. So if you're a therapist, you join one of them or you can join as many as you want. And we work seasonally, which means we value that winter, you slow down. We value that in the spring, you might work more. Um, and so we collect, we, and we have a couple goals throughout the year for each subcategory. To create the community, to learn, and to also create some change, whether that be on the legal level or uh, I went to the Women's March in October, and went for therapists and action, we created shirts and then donated some of the like the proceeds for the shirts to um, grassroots organizations, like stuff like that. So that has felt super rewarding, um, and I also can use it for my own uh, goal, which is like making all therapists have positive. <laughs> So like that's that's where I'm going in there too. I'm like I'm like hey, I'm a therapist, like do this thing uh, because it's more acceptable to be a therapist and do the other things. Like it's like fat liberation is kind of the last frontier. Not saying we've like done well with the other ones, but <laughs> this one is one that I don't see a lot of people being able to hold space for. So
0: yes, it's my wonderful. I hear a lot of like decolonial work in there too the fact that you go seasonally by time as opposed to like that's it's really great. You're actually so I'm a I'm a coach, my profession, I'm a professional coach and I'm like oh my gosh, we need to be doing something like that for coaches if there is something if someone knows about it who's listening, please let me know cuz I feel like this is the same challenge with a lot of coaches and I work I a lot of the work that I do is um, as a leadership coach and I work with, you know, a lot of people in the U.S. So I have a lot of BIPOC people. And every time I'm working with someone who's BIPOC, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I'm just so aware of how much harm can be done by, I would say, coaches, therapists, anyone in those kinds of positions of power who isn't aware of, their own internalized racism, their own internalized ableism, their own internalized anti-fatness, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and not that I'm perfect, not that I figured it all out, but I, I often will just have conversations with clients about it because you know we're learning, and I'm learning with them; they're learning with me. Like, but I think that's amazing to. To have that focus and to have a place where people can go if they do want to start that learning journey yeah
1: i think it's super important to to, to own that therapists like are not like, we have a super problematic past and we are not where we need to be in the future either so you know i i just got a referral from a, another therapist in the area that was, that was like and they use the word obese like, obese client i'm like Whoa, I, that. I was like do not use that vernacular to describe a client says a thank you because a i would never need to know that information ever for anything mental health related so like I was like, why but it was so normalized in their brains like the medical part to be like oh this thing is important because it's a problem you treat it and I was like no 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 and so you have to be if you're in a fat body and you're seeking out a therapist or body image coach or whatever like make sure that you're finding someone who like has awareness of like fat trauma or at least is willing to explore that with you um because you deserve to have that space yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's so great. I mean, I I really wish, especially the therapist I worked with around my binge eating disorder when I was in my early thirties, I think that's when it was. Yeah. Early thirties. Well, if they had had any, any <laughs> education around anti-fatness and understood um, the truth around diet culture, I think it, it would have, I wonder, I often wonder if it would have shifted me into coming fat positive, um, like a decade earlier, a full decade earlier. I've had to educate my
1: therapist. like, I, I've yet to have a therapist that was like super in it. Um, so like, that's been a very weird part of it because it's just not super common. And I guess the goal is maybe finding a therapist who has some knowledge or is willing and doesn't have as much of like the hatred or the stigma.
0: Yeah, that willingness. No, that's so true. Well, may your goal of all therapists being fat positive come true, please, please, please. That would just, I mean, and I'm gonna add coaches into that mix because, and maybe that's something for me to to take on as a little bit of a project. But like, I there that would be huge, especially small, like, your
1: non-fat body. If you're non-fat, ba- non-fat body you're working as a dietitian or any kind of care field. You have unfortunately a lot more unpacking to do, like because you don't have. And same if you're a small fat, like I'm a small fat, so I have a lot of unpacking. I still always have a lot of unpacking to do, and I'm white, so
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. The journey. I mean, and I I don't know about you, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's worth the work. It's so it's so freeing. Like it's
1: just it just feels like I can do what I want, and I don't care how other people perceive me. And <laughs> of course, that still comes up from time to time, but it's, it's rare. And I get to just like spend all this time on my hot, like I just went through all the things I value. Also like a reader. I love doing all these things that have nothing to do with my body. And so they're wonderful and they bring me so much joy. And I don't think I would have had access to that
0: if I was still actively dieting or in disorder eating. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Amazing. Kayla, Kayla it has been so wonderful to chat with you. This has been so informative and thank you for the work that you're doing. It is important. It is necessary. And yeah, thank you for your labor.
1: Thank you. And thank you for yours. Like having podcasts for, for fat folks, I think is absolutely amazing. And again, I wish I would have found them sooner because it just validated all the stuff I was thinking
0: right like I was like oh okay I'm not alone <laughs> it's not just me I'm not being strange yeah yeah I totally yeah thank you for that I it is definitely why I started it because I was like I want it so let me just create it yeah awesome well thank you Kayla I am going to put all your information in the show notes so people can reach out to you and um, and follow you and benefit from your wisdom thank, thank you. you so much for having me it was great Before we go, I'd like to read a poem, because poetry can reach our hearts in a different way. Poems can have us feel in a different way. And that's what this podcast is all about—expanding our hearts, deepening our empathy, and inviting in joy. So each week, you get a new poem. After my conversation with Kayla Stansberry, I felt so pulled to find a poem that brings in human connection, that finds a way to bypass our differences and return us to what is essential in all of us. And thankfully, Kaveri Patel has done that with the poem Earth's Eternal Heart. Here it is. In the end, all we have is this the ebb and flow of breath, our lives mosaics of seaweed, shells, and stones. Let's not waste time arguing about who's right, but meet at the edge of our misunderstanding where we can dissolve all stories of separation in sand and live in sync with Earth's eternal heart. Thank you for joining me today. My hope is that you're feeling a little less alone and a little more seen. So until the next episode, you can find me on Instagram at fatjoy.life, on YouTube at youtube.com slash at fatjoy, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash fatjoy. Please do check out the show notes for how you can connect with my amazing guest and for the links to the poem. All right, lovely. I am sending you off with my best wishes for an abundantly fat joy day. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.